0: Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is the TaylorMade Driving Relief Instant Reaction Pod. We're going to break it all down. We had live golf on television for the first time in what feels like an eternity, and we've got the whole squad here to break it down. Uh, First off, let's bring in on my left, which you cannot see. It's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg?
1: Live golf is back. How exciting was that? It was... uh... Uh, I, I had a nice time watching it. I had something to look forward to. I found myself getting a little excited through the day, which was uh, which was fun. So good to be here.
0: Love it. Uh, let's bring in Mark Immelman. Mark, give me your uh, your temperature for this golf appetizer that we got today. How you feeling?
2: Well, I was jacked like uh, Greg this morning. I was looking forward to it. two o'clock. Couldn't come fast enough. And and then for a while it, it was sort of tepid I guess would be my word sort of vanilla but the day uh, the, the day sped up certainly and uh, and the energy ramped up through the broadcast and then you know my my take is Rory McIlroy came in the bus and he ended the bus I mean that shot that he hit under the pressure was that was pretty clutch and something you would expect of the world's number one
0: that's absolutely right and we'll bring in uh, Kyle Porter and the fighting Kyle Porters uh I thought they had it Kyle I thought uh, with all the chances they had down the stretch, win 16 or 17 or 18 or the closest to the pin, I thought your Oklahoma State boys were going to pull it out.
3: Yeah, I did too. I don't know if the day sped up, Mark, as much as DJ just sped up and started <laughs> running on the course. Uh, <laughs> I, Yeah, I, you know, Ricky Ricky was he, – he, I hope he has an ice, like an ice pack for his back after just dragging Wolf around the course for most of the, the middle of the round. Uh, I think I went back and looked. It was interesting. they they everybody made par or or the best score to win or the best score on a hole was par over the last six. So you just sneak one birdie in there. And I feel like Wolf just didn't do anything for that team. Uh, Fowler played well though. Fowler and Rory both played played pretty decent to your
2: point though, over those last six holes, Kyle, I, I think, look, without the firm in the fast, which was sad because everyone was hoping it was going to be dry, but they got some rain late last week. Uh, the wind kicked up over the final hour and a half. So that golf course started to play like yeah. everyone wanted it to. It become, became more of a challenge. And all of a sudden, like on that playoff hole there, when they got nine irons for, Matt, uh, for Ricky Fowler from 120, I mean, that speaks to that Atlantic br- wind that was coming up. So, so it,
3: it was challenging in the end, and that's kind of what I wanted to see about it. I'm sure we'll get into this, but was, was Ricky Hazel uh, adjacent on the playoff hole? Oh. Yeah, i think it was pretty
1: close it was pretty close
3: the reaction was
1: not great immediate <laughs> yeah it's so it was it's so just like ricky to me was the best player all day he he was the the best player he, rory had his moments where he was really doing really well but the middle of that round Ricky's the best player and it just it comes down to the the moment there at the end and he's got some chances and It just like it's a it's a little bit of a letdown with Ricky and it breaks my heart. I just feel like we keep on seeing this and like we see it at the American Express earlier this year last year a number of times I just I want Ricky to turn the corner and and finish the race
0: you know it it is interesting you, you, Kyle that you mentioned that that adjacent a little comment there um the level of play that we saw uh, we know that some of these guys uh, rory told us you know he didn't pick up clubs for seven weeks dj i think played his first uh round a week ago something yesterday like yesterday t- tomorrow maybe i'm not sure he's played <laughs> one yet um what how how would you assess the level of play that we saw out there at Seminole?
3: Well, it, it wasn't it wasn't great. You know, it, it's funny because I was thinking about this. This was supposed to be a major championship Sunday, right? It was supposed to be the final round of the PGA at Harding Park, and what we saw was was definitely not that. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it's kind of good that the wind wasn't howling all day because it it could have gotten a little bit ugly. But I, I thought it was more so around the greens, right? It, it was yes. like where they left shots around the greens because they're they're kind of and I get it. Like sometimes they're just trying to make something. They're trying to get it to the hole. But some of the some of the wedge play was just, and I, and I think that's probably where you lose the most during a kind of a, an off time like that. So I don't know. That part of it was to be expected, and I think that's where you kind of saw it the most.
2: And add to that, and it was referenced by Rory uh, walking up eighteen, and then Matthew Wolf at some stage that when you're playing for somebody else might be the United States in the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, or you you are representative of someone, there's just a whole different pressure level. When, when, when it's you for yourself and your family and such, and you've got a, a wedge from 120 for all the marbles, that's a different deal. But when you're doing it for a foundation, man, that ratchets up the pressure in the hardest of ways. And so uh, coupled with the rust that you illustrate, Kyle, you know, there was this added pressure on these guys, and it's supposed to be lighthearted and fun and golf's back. But you could see the stress on the boys as it came down down the final few holes there, for, for sure.
0: Yeah, so let's you know, talk. Oh, sorry. Oh, Greg, right. yeah,
1: just, it, it was a little interesting because it felt like a lighthearted start to the round. It felt like a lighthearted day. It didn't feel like there was a ton of pressure with the lingo, but they started to quiet down a little bit towards the end. Uh, I think you're right, Mark. I think you did see when when they got really close to the end, they started to say, "Okay, this thing, we're getting there." Um, and, and I think in, early on, they were all very comfortable. Maybe Matthew Wolf was the exception, as he said he was a little nervous before he settled down.
3: Not to bring him into this, but this reminds me of something that Jordan Spieth said after the uh, 14 Masters when he was playing with Bubba Watson in the final round. He said, "For uh, the front nine or the first nine at Augusta." You know, we're talking. We're kind of hanging out. It's a lot of fun. He goes. He didn't say a word to me on the second night as, <laughs> as he's as he's coming home to to win the Masters. And it, it did. I agree with you. It did feel a little bit uh, a little bit like that down the stretch. I I wanted more out of just the whole day. That was that was my big like I guess criticism I wanted more out of the whole day of conversation. Rory is is smart enough and good enough to kind of be the host to kind of carry that. And I just, I didn't feel like we got enough conversation out of everybody because it it just, I don't know. It was there for like the first couple holes. And then it was like, what are they still mic'd up? Like what, what am, why am I not hearing anything?
0: This was my biggest peeve. Um, I I saw on Twitter, wow, this thing still went four and a half hours. I don't care. I've got nothing else to do. I'll watch these guys play for (laughs) eight eight or 10 hours. I don't care. Uh, But Mark, to me, when we finally get a situation when all of these guys are kind of mic'd up, I would have just loved to have had them have that chatter a little bit more.
2: Well, yeah, maybe they should have had Jordan Spieth in the field because you would have had something. I mean, he yeah. he talks nonstop to Michael and his caddy and whoever's listening. Um, I was, from a broadcasting point of view, I was a bit disappointed that guys were talking over the on-course chatter a bunch because even as an on-course announcer, I love to hear what these guys have to say because – they can tell you exactly what's going on. Like they will say, I wasn't attempting to hit it there. Some guy with a microphone in front of his fa- face, let's call him Mark. You know, I, I'm, I'm opining, it's an educated guess, if you will. You know, you're looking at situation and you forming your, your, your assessment of the thing. So I would have liked to have been a little lighter on the announcing and let the guys have a go. But KP brought up a great point just a little while ago where he was like, you know, as a producer, you 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 say, okay, to your announcers, now lay out. These guys are going to talk. And then it's silence for a few minutes. And in the United States, that's not the market we're used to. Now, if you're watching European tour of golf week in and week out, you go for periods of five, six, seven minutes where not a word is said. And you're just looking at beauties and such. So it's about, it's about the product. It's about the audience and such. But still personally, I guess to your point, Rick, I would have liked to have seen the players a little bit more and just maybe a little less announcing to be honest
3: how do we not have guys mic'd up more just for regular events right like i i mean we're kind of joking about it but to hear dj talk about what's going on you know how do you how do you hit a fade well you just you just fade it like i would love to hear that (laughs) like from on every hole from him even even the little stuff uh over at no line up made this point on twitter he's like it's not about like the the one line, like delivering the one liners. It's more about like little tidbits, little nuggets that you glean from guys that are kind of talking back and forth or talking to themselves, talking to a caddy or whatever. And you're like, it, it just stuff that makes you think like, Oh, that, that's really interesting. Or I didn't know that, or I didn't think that or whatever. The truth of it is, you know, the mic'd up stuff
2: is great, but you guys wear IFBs, you know, where it might be a small little pack on your back and you've, got, uh, and you've got a microphone connected to you somewhere, that cord can be a pain in the rear end. And then when you're trying to make a 125 mile an hour golf swing uh, and then, you, you know, you feel just uncomfortable with the way the shirt's not fitting and such, that can make it a little hard just from a practical standpoint.
1: I think you give him one of these Madonna mics that I have on, and and it doesn't move around. And you're in great shape. Uh, but aside from that, I, I wonder if the players really just want to wear them. You can't force. Well, maybe you can. I don't think you can force players to wear them. But do you want to be miked up be in a situation like Patrick Cantlay, where you're just kind of in a a moment? It feels like a private moment out there, and something slips, and you get in trouble. Is there are are players concerned about that? I guess is maybe the thing that
0: holds them back. So let's let's throw that back to you there, Greg. I mean, what, what does it take? Is if you double the the prize pools, uh, I think they'll wear anything you want, right? I mean, there's 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 something that can happen here, and maybe it's not every guy every single week, but that stuff's gold. Mark mentions yeah. it all the time, Greg. It's like uh, they're doing their job for me, right? And we love to hear yeah. it. There, there's gotta be something. I mean, technology is great. These things are getting smaller and lighter. There's gotta be something.
1: I think what would be really cool is you take the featured group of the day. Maybe it's maybe it's two featured groups, and you you mic them up. You mic up one group in the afternoon. You mic up one group in the morning, and you just kind of get a little bit of an insight. And that way, it can rotate around a little bit. Rory's mic'd up one week. The next week, you have DJ mic'd up, and then John Rom's mic'd up, and and you just kind of get a flavor of all these people. Like Matthew Wolf, to me, I, I learned a little bit about him today. I, I have a new kind of I feel like I know Matthew Wolf a little more today, which Matthew Wolf, being the guy who we know the least in that group, that's important. We need to get these stories out there, and so maybe that's an opportunity where you you're not going to be mic'd up every week, but you may be mic'd up uh, three or two two to three times throughout a season.
0: Speaking of Matthew Wolf, um, if you guys caught this, Kyle, you might have you might have caught this. Uh, he took two swipes at DJ that I don't think DJ particularly liked. <laughs> yes. uh, one, yeah. one was that he was in like that sandy area. And he, he was, was like, oh, well, wait, what, what am I in? in, a in Miami here? Beach somewhere, wasn't he? Yeah, and he said, "Hey, DJ, what am I in right now? Is this a bunker? Or is this a waste area?" And then he also said, um, "Nice par." when DJ was already out of the, he hit his tee shot in the water, was already out of it. Like they gave him a part. And I don't think DJ was happy about either of those.
3: Yeah. I, so coming into this, like I I like Matthew Wolf. I've been around him a little bit. He's a huge personality. He's, he's great. He's going to have a really good career. I think he felt a little bit out of his world today. And it was almost like he got, I don't know. I don't know if he, I don't think nervous, maybe nervous, but he just, he felt so like he just hasn't been in that spot before. And it was almost like he was overcompensating by trying to be really funny to the point where it was like, ah, I don't know if I would have said that one. Like, I don't know if that one was actually that funny. It's like, it's like, how, how do you, how do you be the new guy? Like he's the new guy. Right. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I kind of came away feeling like, did he do a, was he great at being the new guy? It didn't really feel like it. He talked a, he talked a lot, and, but he didn't, it wasn't real. It was kind of just always, I don't know about awkward, but it was just kind of out of place a lot of times. And it just didn't, I don't know. It was, it was not what I expected. He, his best move to me was when Ricky
2: makes that downhill slider from about 20 feet to win the skin. And he does that little <laughs> like, can you, Wait, was, can, <laughs> can you do that again? Do that again, Mark. You know, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I yeah. thought I, I was onto Twitter instantaneously looking for Kyle Porter to clip that thing <laughs> and have that playing back. Kyle, you've let me down in the biggest way,
3: bro. <laughs> Uh, that's so good uh, I apologize well uh, Greg
0: let's let's talk about the match here I'll, I'll run through the uh, the actual <laughs> stats here uh, uh, 11 skins for the victorious Rory McElroy and Dustin Johnson to Ricky Fowler's and Matthew Wolf's seven I almost just said Ricky Fowler seven which I guess could have been fairly accurate um, yeah. the 1.8 and a half million for uh, Rory and DJ 1.15 for Fowler and Wolf Greg I know they're not playing for like their own dollars and like major like, but this feels like it got away for the Oklahoma State squad. Like we we kind of said, it's it's going to come down to the end. They had a chance to win any of sixteen or seventeen or eighteen or that closest to the pin, and they didn't get it done.
1: They they couldn't get it done, man. I mean, it's so disappointing. The the shot Ricky hit on eighteen in regulation is is just so disappointing. The shot that he hits and with Matthew Wolf, like there's a point where you. You, you're hoping for a little help from your partner. But I think if you're Ricky Fowler going in there knowing Matthew Wolf's your partner and he's going to be a little bit out of place, he's not going to be as comfortable as everybody else, you kind of have to expect, hey, I'm going I'm to take this thing on by myself here. I, I think it's clear Ricky's been working on his game. He was, to me, the sharpest around the greens. Uh, his swing looked great to me. I, I think he is getting more comfortable with it. Um, but anyway, you, you mean you got to take the bull by the horns towards the end there and go win the match. And it's the thing with Ricky, I feel sometimes he, he just he doesn't, he doesn't uh, take that extra step and make something happen. It's almost like he's waiting for something to happen sometimes. And then at the same time, they're showing highlights of Ricky winning the 2015 players and he's, making, he's playing the last five holes six under and, and winning uh, under the highest pressure. So you, I don't know what to expect out of him, but I just feel like I'm constantly let down. Which is a little disappointing. Yeah, this
2: sounds like a podcast of old, yeah. Didn't he? Wasn't there a Greg Deschamps rant about Ricky not finishing in a few podcasts ago? Yeah, we said that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I talk about it all the time. But it keeps on happening. It's like it's just a little underachieving, and and it's not like he's had a bad career. It's a great career, but it's less than what we expect, and it seems to be less than what we expect often. We think he's going to get the job done coming into a Sunday or he's got the lead after Friday night. And we think he's going to this is going to be the time he pulls it off and it slips away. And it's just I mean, look, it, it, it just uh, bothers me. And now I'm a Ricky fan. I want him to get it done. I want him to take that next step. He just these are the moments when that shows and it showed again today.
3: Greg and I need to see the same psychologist him about Ricky and <laughs> and me about about Jordan Speeth. Who who is uh like when I hear you talk about Ricky it feels like the way that I think about Speeth in my head um and and you just keep you just keep like talking yourself into different like permutations of their career and like what how it's playing out. What uh who is that for you Rick or Mark? Do you guys have a guy like that that you need to say, see a psychologist about that you can't you can't give up, you can't quit, but you also I like, don't know what to do with him either. Uh my brother maybe.
0: <laughs> I, I think I think that wins. Um, mine's anyone who can't putt. Uh, I just, ben I, on. I love you. Maybe just, ben on. Yeah, ben yeah. on. That's, it's definitely yeah. Ben on. It is definitely. <laughs> what, what you guys don't know is uh, we have so many of these uh, rants uh, already saved. When you start on a Speeth or a Fowler rant, we just clip one random one in. It could be one from three weeks ago. <laughs> you know, you'll never know. We've got we've got so many of them socked up. Hey,
2: speaking of rants, you know, there's normally the Carl Porter strokes gain teeth through green thing. And then I argue back saying, you better make putts if you want to win skins matches and tournaments. Yeah, and stuff, strokes gain and,
3: heart, or whatever that yeah, it, garbage it, it ends, is.
2: Stop, <laughs> I'm talking, and it ends up in a stalemate. Well, Kyle, I want to commend you that finally your strokes gain to green paid off because there was only one shot required, no putts, and
3: Rory came through. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> that did would you, be did my you guys, <laughs> did you see? Yeah, exactly. ben on would win a lot. Did yeah. you guys see what uh, did you see what Rory said afterward? when he uh, I think it was Steve Sands was interviewing him and he said, well, I wouldn't exactly be known for my wedge play. Yeah, I, and, uh, I, thought th- I thought that <laughs> was pretty so good. good. Like very, very self-aware, very funny. It was, it was great.
0: Yeah. Rory went very meta there. All right, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll, we'll hit this on the other side. those places that you want to go the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at hyundaiusa.com call 562-314-4603 for complete details all right welcome back so uh, gentlemen let's let's dive into this format a little bit more because greg i i think i think it did what it was supposed to you know you, we talked about the missed opportunities but let's talk about the format a little bit this was designed to come to, to to have this finish on 18 or even in the closest to the pin match. Um, you, Rory and DJ end up winning this thing without winning a hole. The last skin they won was the sixth hole. So this is that format that we talked about all week where crazy things can happen. But that's that's good television, right?
1: Well, the design is you never know who's going to win till the end. You can't run away with it. You're not going to end the match on the 16th hole. So in that sense, I, I like that element. But at the same time, nobody has to hit a putt to win. And the whole thing is decided by uh, a single shot on a par three. I'm not crazy about the, the way it actually ended. Um, I, but I, I at the same time, I'm not exactly sure what to do. As somebody once told me, you "Never complain unless you have a solution to offer." So I'm not complaining. It's just not something I'm I'm overly excited about. I wasn't looking for that closest to the pin. Like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing we've had all quarantine. I, I mean, it just was a kind of a, a letdown of a way to end to me.
2: It was kind of cool the closest to the pin thing, but just I want to revisit set setup podcast that we did for this and the guys that were making the case for the OSU boys saying they're the underdogs, but the skins game, they've just got to come through on one or two big holes, hopefully 17, 18, then they can win and turn the upset. Well, strangely enough, golf turns it around and the favorites come through when all the big money's on the line. I And, and I had to talk to a solution, Greg, I was texting back and forth with a fellow announcer, Frank Nobolo, and and he said, this is the reason why you make matches like this, nine holes, and after every hole, if there's a tie, you have a chip off. So money's won right away. He goes, it goes quicker. You don't have to go over time, all the sort of stuff for television. And I thought that was pretty savvy, really, because you have a final result. And so all of a sudden, the guy that stank it up the whole day and makes a timely putt on the 18th hole for the, all the marbles, it sort of takes that element of this kind of a thing away.
3: Wait, you want to ch- you want to chip off after
2: every hole? Wouldn't that add like an hour to the broadcast? If there's a tie, it's four guys hitting a chip, closest wins.
1: The it's money. also nine holes. It's also nine yeah, it's holes. It's nine holes. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, gotcha.
0: Anything is better than uh, playing the same par three over and over and over again until someone... Like, I, I, I like the finality of the closest to the pin as opposed to this endless Tiger versus Phil. Let's play this par three five times until somebody makes birdie or something like that so i do like that there was a resolution to it
3: they should have done the uh the thing the european tour does for their promotional videos where they just run like a floaty out into the ocean and somebody has (laughs) to land it on has to land it on the floaty It would have been that would have been awesome
0: uh we'll stay with you kyle here because i think (laughs) let you let you make up for that one uh dustin johnson looked um awesome <laughs> i don't know I don't, what adjective are we using to describe dustin johnson's performance today
3: i don't i don't know if on brand is an adjective but he uh he i mean it started i think it's the first hole he marks his ball with a t like yep. he's that never, was legendary <laughs> it was it was so good and and just the whole day like and this is why you need him and stuff like this because he, he i mean honestly like if he found out this week that he was playing in this, I would not be surprised. And, and I don't mean that like in a derogatory way. It's just it's just who he is. And he kept forgetting that he was carrying his bag. Um, <laughs> he kept... <laughs> there were multiple times he walked time. off the tee. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like, he'd hit it in the water and it's just like, whatever, man. Like, I'm, I'm good. You know, carry us Rory. And, uh, you know, you see Rory like kind of not worked up, but he was definitely feeling the the one point one million on the last hole. He's getting interviewed coming up eighteen. And he's like, ah, I'm kind of you know, I'm kind of feeling it. Zero percent chance that DJ was feeling it, and probably that he even knew how much was was on the line, and maybe even that he knew which organization he was playing for, which is all just just fabulous. Like I, I love it. I think it's amazing. Y- you were at Oakmont.
2: All right. This is the same guy that had a penalty kind of called on him on the 13th hole, whatever. No one knew what the rule was that he got placed through this and finishes like a superstar to win because he's like, oh, whatever. I'll just keep on hitting golf shots, good or bad. It's indifferent. And to me, to describe DJ, he was typically DJ. I mean, that's what he is like when he's playing in any events, let alone a charitable skins match.
1: That's the thing with DJ. If he's playing well or playing poorly, it kind of it can look the same. So I do think there's an element where when it's not going well for him, it looks like he's checked out. And so we say he checked out when and maybe he did, we say he checks out when he plays badly. But when he plays well, he's he's just so cool, calm, and collected. So you kind of have it depends on his result, but it's really the same kind of the same kind of attitude. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I was gonna say he whenever he's playing well, he's checked out. Like that's like right. who he is, which is you know, and I, and I, this has always been my point about Fowler is I think we get frustrated sometimes with Fowler at the end of an event because he just put, he, he's just so like flatlined through the whole thing. And you're like, Well, there's a rhythm to it. Like you have to you have to like rise to the occasion at the end of the tournament. But I also think that can help you. Like if you're trying to win a U- like a U.S. Open at Wingfoot, where the winning score is two over par, if you're flatlining, like if you're just the same, flatlining is probably not the right way to describe that. But if you're just the same throughout, you, you have the advantage over guys that are that are going up and down like this. So I, I think there's some element to it that makes it actually beneficial for you, like to you within the moment.
2: I must share the funniest DJ story. (laughs) It was at the Canadian Open a few years ago. He's in a feature group and he's blasted it miles down the right-hand side. On the front side, he's back nine um, on like six or whatever it was. And he's underneath the fir trees over there. And I'm on the other side of the fairway setting this thing up. I've had a look at the lies, kind of bend one out from under the trees and stuff. It's from like 150 yards, back flag. And so I'm setting up the whole thing. And I look over and AJ is like, hold up. And he runs back into the fairway to double check a yardage and he gets out there and I edge closer to him. Now I'm on the other side of the hole and I'm within 15 feet of Austin. his brother caddy now. And I turn around and DJ's hit. So Austin (laughs) was going to double check a yardage. (laughs) DJ just let fly. And I'm like, well, folks, DJ just pulled the trigger with Austin checking a yardage over here. And AJ doubled over. He was laughing so hard. DJ just blasted
3: straight over the back. And And it's just kind of how he goes, you know? That's yeah. that's pretty much how this entire day went. I don't think he <laughs> I think I think he was like heard other guys yardages and just went off that.
0: Yeah, he was like he was like hitting before the camera got to him. It was pretty unbelievable. Um Gr- Greg, so we talked about this was a, a lot of this match was Rory versus Ricky. Uh Rory was carrying DJ, Ricky was carrying Matthew Wolf. On that closest to the pin, uh Ricky kind of like tried to pep talk Matt Wolf, did you hear this where he was like all right, show like show me something now. You gotta hit a shot here. And and Wolf was like, Oh, like it's kind of what Kyle alluded to earlier, like, oh no pressure, huh, huh, huh. But like, do you think Ricky was like, Yo, dude, hit a shot here? Like, I need you right now. I carried you carried you around for eighteen holes. Let's get I it do. Gone.
1: I do. I also, I think Ricky has an awareness of the situation. I think he realizes that it's late on TV. We're trying to up the broadcast a little bit. Ricky's a smart guy. This is not, I I do think there's a little bit of a calculation in that. We're trying to boost the, we're trying to, we're trying to win. Yes. But we're also trying to make this something that's successful, get people interested, get people to feel like there's a little something going on here. Uh, And you probably realize there's a lot of eyes uh, watching there's probably a lot of people watching so I, I think there was a little bit of that and i also i think a very big part of ricky is saying like you got you got one shot to make up for everything that happened today give me something please
3: give me something sounds like a future president's cup captain speech to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and
0: Wolf hit a good one too. So, I mean, I guess it kind of worked if that's, if that's how you want to define it. It sounded cool. I was like, okay, I've, I don't know if I've seen this side of Ricky before, right, Kyle? Yeah,
3: hey, 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 for hey. sure. It, it,
2: what, what? Remember your observation about Greg and, and what you think about Spieth and now you're trying to, trying to sort of coax your mind into a belief. I, I heard that, that observations now, those observations from Greg as he was going on about Ricky. Well, uh, wait, what? what? What do you mean? No, well, you know, he, he was Greg's. yet trying to make well. Ricky was the man, and he was shepherding his guy to successes. Like, you've got this. You're gonna come through. I just was giggling at the passion for which our boy talks about Ricky Fowler. Come heck on high yeah, water, <laughs> for for sure.
3: And and that's the part where it's like it's it's interesting to see somebody who's so. I mean, you you you've been around Ricky. Like he's he's very um like the persona that is displayed on TV. Like the high-flying thrill-seeking guy that's not really like his personality like he's a very like mild mannered like he has a he has a great persona just to to kind of be around he's very he's very kind he's very generous and so it's almost weird to hear somebody like that trying to get you like jacked up for a shot It, it almost it almost feels disingenuous even though it's not and so it makes for like i don't know i think that's part of why a lot of this mic'd up stuff is so interesting because it's just a side that you don't get from those guys.
0: Uh, that yes, the side of Ricky I think is graciously waiting to greet the winner, like because he's a good friend and he's a good guy, not necessarily the pump up guy. So I was I was shocked to hear that. Um, what I was not shocked about was uh, whether there was a little bit of rust on 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 their games, Greg, or not. Uh, Seminole looks good. Seminole bit back at times. Seminole tested them. Uh, there was, you know, they kept. When you have Rory McElroy on on this playoff, this close to the pit, begging for a ball to stay on the green, that feels like a pretty good setup.
1: I, I agree. Uh, the one thing I'll say is I wish they showed me a little bit. I wish I got more flyovers of holes. I wish I got a little look into yeah. the yardage book, right? Here's number like, talk, get in, in. We're talking to, we have John Rahm on the phone, which doesn't really do anything for me. I, I want to have a whole <laughs> thing. i'm all for john rom but what like what that?
2: hey while you're on it what about about bill murray on the phone for you
1: the same same thing i just john rom came to my front of mine there it was a little easier for me to remember uh but yeah same thing we got we got bill murray on there and and they're playing holes that i want to know about i want to know if he hit it over to the right hand side is that a, a better angle ricky says to matt wolf on number one when he hits it way right well you'll have a good angle like show me an overhead of that hole and show me why that may be a good angle or why maybe it's not a good angle. Like I feel like I could have gotten a little closer, a little more connected to the golf course if they did some things like that. And that that may have been my, that was a pretty big disappointment for me. I feel like I didn't quite get enough seminal. I didn't get to see it for what it really is.
3: That's a great point because when you have a, when you have a wide course like that, same is true of like Pinehurst. And it's all about like where you are off the tee and, and you're having to play angles. You, you have to have those flyovers or different, like talking you through different points. Cause it's like, Oh, well, they're all in the fairway. Well, is that, are they all equal? Like, does that matter? Is it, does it matter that somebody's up to the right? We needed uh, you know what we needed? We needed Trump breaking down like eight and nine, <laughs> like, just like where to, where, where the angles were into those holes. I mean, he was on the phone, just get, it wouldn't, I mean, Feed him the telecast. Let's let's do this.
0: That would have been something. Uh um, you guys are you guys are all
3: terrified to say anything right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot here. So, Mark, uh whether we got the views of Seminole or not that we wanted, uh as far as how it played, did it did it live up to expectations? Uh
2: yes, just because of the grandeur and the majesty of the place and the history there, but It didn't play like its personality. I I had a conversation late last week prior to the event with Bob Ford, the uh, head professional there, the golf professional. And he said, we've got some rain forecast, but I hope it dries out. And I hope the wind blows some so Seminole can play like it's supposed to play, which is firm fast because as soon as a golf course is firmed up and the ball wants to roll, All of those Donald Russ characteristics, the false edges, the changes in elevation, the angles, these things are brought to bear. Because the one thing about this place, I only saw rough one time, and that was behind that whatever hole when Rory hit it through the back and basically duffed the chip onto the front uh, fringe of the green. So, it took Kyle's observation the beauty about the place is to hit it into different places. But if the golf course is playing firm, it makes that challenge harder. And it's, you won't yeah. just see guys getting up there and blasting driver over the corner because they know the ball's going to stop where it lands. If that course was playing faster, it would have been electric, electrifying for me. It, it definitely, you think about two
1: other venues we had this year that come to my mind in this conversation. One, the Sony Open when it was just, it was really wet out there and it was hitting splat and it, it takes away, it becomes almost uh, a, a boring tournament to watch because the ball just land. It, people are slicing it way right on the Pro Tracer and it ends up just splatting in the fairway and it's fine. Whereas you go back to the President's Cup and you look at Royal Melbourne where it's blazing fast on the ground and the ball's bouncing all over the place. And you really see the, the difficulty of getting the ball close. It adds to the intrigue and Royal Melbourne showed to be this, this gem that we're so lucky to have, have seen. Seminole has that. I I feel like a lot of the similar characteristics there where uh, a little bit firmer, a little faster, you'd see a little more of the challenge uh, and it just makes it a little more exciting. But unfortunately there's just nothing you can do about that.
0: I loved Royal Melbourne so much. That just brought back so many memories, Greg, when you mentioned that. Um, yeah. All right. Well, how about this? Is this a format, Kyle, that we – okay, so so for for perspective, Rory was trending on Twitter tonight, the word Rory, which I, I got to tell you, I'm on Twitter a lot. Golf doesn't get trending all that often. Um, is this a format that can be done either similarly – uh or not in non-covid times like would people be interested in this if it was a random off week in november
3: no and not <laughs> not not to the point that well i was just, you know what's funny i was just thinking about how if, if you would have told me on january 1 that rory McIlroy hit the last shot of the day on may 17 i would have been like makes sense yeah probably i mean maybe i don't know that, make, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think it did matter that it was one of the first things back. Now, I, I, that's hard because I think within our circles, the people that are obsessed with this stuff, um, I think you could, you could do it and improve it in such a way that it, that it could play in November or December or whatever. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about things that we would do different or that they could have done it, di- whatever. And the golf would be better if it wasn't, you know, a two-month pause coming in. Um, but I just thought it was more – I thought it was more lively and I was more intrigued than with the Tiger-Phil stuff back in, in uh, Thanksgiving 2018. Now, it'll be interesting to see how next week goes with Peyton and Brady thrown in. But I don't know. I just – I always default to more banter. And as little as we got today, it was still more than we got during the, the Tiger-Phil first match in, in Vegas a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, uh, Mark, we'll let you we'll let you close us out on this. Um, I I am obviously biased when I want to see more of this stuff, but it seems like all of them, all of these one-off matches, they all have a hook, right? Whether it is the charity aspect, whether it is there's no sports going on, whether it's Tiger or Phil playing for ten million dollars, right? Like I don't know that without some type of hook we can get the general viewing audience interested on a Sunday afternoon about two or four or six or eight guys playing on a, on a golf course.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. But you, you know, I, I can just offer you my experiences. And I remember as a young person growing up, this is well before you youngsters were ever born, you know, where the, the original skins match where you got like, Jack and Arnold and Gary Player and Lee Trevino playing. They're out at PGA West on the the stadium course. I mean, that stuff gripped me. But as I think back to that show, they were all mic'd up and you heard them talk more than the announced people talk. And there were obviously, look, they're going to be a number of commercial breaks during a show like this because there's so much time spent. But that's when, if you're going to do this and you're going to hook the folks, because I think the hardened golf fan wants to be on the bag alongside Rory or DJ or somebody like yep. that. So if, if you've got fewer breaks, less guys talking, me, and then you just put these guys on mics and you let them play, I think that's the hook. And if you've got personalities playing, I mean, think if you've got a skins match. Now try and get them together. Phil, Tiger, Rory, and one other. Ooh, ooh, insert your pick right here. Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, Brooks, (laughs) because Brooks has suddenly grown a a whole bunch of, well, judging by social media, and his Brandle Chambly dartboard. So, I mean, this could be fascinating stuff, all right? Think about it. So I think the hook is more golf. Let us be alongside these folks with not just the pictures, but the sounds and the audio and such. I think that's the hook, and I think the real golf fan will tune in. I really do.
0: All right. The hook is more golf. I can get behind that. Uh, Coming at you next week previewing and reacting to the match champions for charity tiger v phil part two with the quarterbacks uh, make sure to give us a follow on twitter and instagram at first cut pod i want to thank everybody for joining me today greg ducharme at the real gfd that's mark Immelman at mark underscore Immelman on both twitter and instagram that's kyle porter at kyle porter cbs i'm rick gaiman at rick Rungood. we'll talk to you next time